This is the Business of Apps podcast, bringing you actionable insights from the leaders of the global app industry and the world's fastest growing apps. You can find more app news, data and analysis over at businessofapps.com. Welcome to Business of Apps podcast. On this show, we invite app industry professionals to cover various topics. We promise to do our best to keep it both insightful but brief. In this episode, we have Dr. Gonzalo, VP Consumer Mobile Services Europe, and Peter Gowden, Head of WEU Ecosystem Marketing. Dr. Gonzalo, Peter, welcome to the Business House podcast. The pleasure. Thank you. All right, Thank let me set the stage first. Um, if you're a net marketer, you already see what's, what's the topic of today's conversation, getting your mobile app to greater heights implies. If you aren't, let me explain a bit. On one hand, you know how deep mobile has penetrated our lives, how ubiquitous it is. So you realize the potential of your app project. On the other, the same reasoning drives so many competitors and you know how hard it is to win their attention and grow your app business. So today, Dr. Gonzalo will tell you about services and tools that can help you as a net marketer to grow your app business more efficiently. But before doing that, before diving into today's topic, let's talk about you both first. Dr. Gonzalo, please tell us about yourself. Your, give us your background. So I actually come from a heavy video game background. I spent over 10 years in companies like EA or Activision Blizzard. Then I transitioned into the distribution platforms world and app stores uh, heading the Google Play channel in Europe, which gave our team the perspective of both understanding content and also how to distribute it. And nowadays I manage all the Huawei consumer services in Europe based in Finland, taking care of our over 100 million users in Europe. Now, Peter, what is your background in mobile tech? Uh, so basically, I've been in mobile tech for about 18 years or so, mainly actually on the hardware side of things. So I've worked with a number of device manufacturers from uh, the Far East, um, but always with an aspect of linking hardware and software together because they are so seamlessly intertwined. The last couple of years, I've focused more on the software side of things. So I'm currently responsible for the ecosystem marketing within Western Europe, which covers all of the different Huawei mobile services aspects that we are producing at the moment. I see it. Now, people use Huawei products around the globe, uh, but how would you characterize the company in 30 seconds or so if that is impossible? So the DNA of Huawei has three dimensions, the customer centricity, the collaboration spirit, and the technological innovation. Some people have probably heard the stories about Huawei sending our engineers to natural disaster areas like earthquake and so on to help restoring the telecom network, allowing people to call their families and ask for help. But beyond that, we also participate regularly in advanced technology associations to help creating safe bridges with the end users, such as the transparency and consent framework in Europe to set the privacy protection ground on the daily live areas like advertising now that cookies are disappearing. We, as a company, help moving the technological industries forward, being one of the largest contributors of patents in the world, 
are among the top three companies in terms of R&D budget investment. Now, five days a week, unfortunately quite often seven days a week, app developers and marketers face the challenge to grow their apps in a very competitive market. App marketers are familiar with the touch point notion, but how actually having them more would help developers to monetize, grow and drive business results more efficient. So the life of uh, mobile apps and games developer is, is tough. For one reason, easy to understand. The smartphone industry has topped up. Um, it topped up six years ago, which means that there is no growth in the mobile app user base. But in the meantime, around 6,000 new apps are released every day to the market. This means that even if a normal user would have um, maybe 100 or 200 apps in their phone, there are 3 million apps out there. This creates a natural bottleneck. On top of that, most app developers are competing for surfacing their content in the same channel, using the same ad networks. This makes advertising cost skyrocket, uh, making it harder for developers to reach their users. So Huawei has implemented multiple solutions to deal with that situation. One of them is the launch of our App Store, App Gallery, which is the third largest app store in the world with 580 million monthly active users. Um, and we have a different positioning than the other app stores. We are very demanding in terms of which apps we publish. We're reducing the noise of low quality clone apps, etc. So this allows quality developers to surface easier. Another solution was the launch of one of the few, if not the only, true cross-platform advertising network with an AI that selects the optimal spot across our devices, which we create, our operating system, which we develop, and our services. As a consequence, what we do is turning ads from spam to pertinent recommendation. Then for the developers, it is cheaper to advertise in our environment and in the most popular channels while keeping some of the highest levels of user engagement. Engagement is a very important word to remember in this context, because we need to avoid the fact that someone downloads an app that they never open and just sit in their device, never making the connection with the developer. So it means that for developers that are part of Huawei ads, the less they gradually spend on our environment, the more revenue they generate. Now, today, like never before, App marketing services enable marketers to grow and grow fast. What services should app developers take advantage of to improve their offering and reach even wider audiences? So we touched upon the solutions to optimize the acquisition, monetization, and retention for developers. But another very important factor to grow the return on investment is the effort to conquer such audience beyond the, the user acquisition bidding, so to say. In that sense, diversifying the eggs into multiple baskets makes a lot of sense, as long as those baskets are not too expensive. That is the reason why we built a very strong technical support team based across multiple countries. Unlike other big tech, which tends to, tend to have the centralized team of um, technical support in one location, we opened a team of over 20 people among most countries in the world. That's allow to answer any questions in uh, in the same time frame 
And we even sent developers to the offices of, uh, of those content providers back together sitting on the same table. For mobile game developers, not only apps, but games, we also integrated very fast solutions to the major development engines, such as Unity, Cocos 2D, making the game available for App Gallery within minutes in some cases. Another very important consequence of investing in a lower saturation channel that I explained before um, is that as a developer, you can afford pilot projects. You can afford making mistakes with a much lower risk than in very expensive because your trials do not require so much investment. You don't need to spend so much. This is the reason why several top developers use App Gallery to explore new territories beyond those that are already uh, successful for them. Data-driven, especially on mobile, is always the safest option to make decisions. Got you. Now, the app market is diverse and spans across continents, not only because, you know, people have uh, teams working on the app sitting on the different continents, but because app development teams are going with their products on multiple markets, on multiple continents. So app marketers are never-ending quest to bring richer and more innovative app experiences to consumers. What tools and solutions are available to help them on this quest? Well, innovation is clearly at the core of the Huawei existence. Back in 2019, when we had to bridge the gap caused by the absence of the Google services, which were no longer pre-installed in our devices, we focused first on making sure that every existing app and game could work well. But after that, we realized that since we were becoming pretty good at it, maybe we could expand the boundaries of the existing systems. That's when we started creating with like machine learning, 3D graphic kits, for example, that enables scanning a real-life object and rendering it as a 3D digital object that are ready to be inserted in digital environments like the metaverse, for example. This collaboration, um, where we provide those advanced tools for free to boost the developer creativity and innovation, is behind some of the great features that Huawei devices incorporate, pioneer in the industry, and that others followed. With that mentality in mind, it is important for developers to realize, however, that the era of smartphone dominance is likely to evolve soon into the era of the smart environments, where the smartphone will become optional. I will give you an example. We see already some hints about this era coming. In the past, when someone wanted to go jogging, they needed to bring their smartphone to be able to listen to music and have some earbuds connected. Now we start to see people jogging with Huawei smartwatches on the wrist and wireless freebuds to listen to music when at the same time leaving the smartphone at home. It means that we need to start expanding the experience of apps beyond the unique screen of the smartphone. Right. We're definitely living in a time when we're transitioning from our smartphone was the only place where we can get every piece of information for work, leisure, um, exercising, etc. Now, just like you're saying, uh, your smartwatch can be that device for you to provide everything you need when you're jogging, when you're exercising. Uh, I don't know, your smart speaker could be your, uh, can give you a company as you're uh, getting rest in your living room and listening to some cool music. We're definitely going beyond the smartphone at this point. 
So Dr. Gonzalez, Peter, what do you find exciting and promising on the mobile versus the tech frontier? What helps you to look optimistic into the future? Let's uh, start with you, Peter, first. For me, it's definitely um, our innovation approach. As Jaime has already mentioned, the evolution between just being in a smartphone era into a, a, an interconnected era, I think gives such a growth potential to partners to take opportunities, you know, inventory space in, in the screens, in uh, connected devices that they've never had the opportunity to, to do before. So from a mobile advertising tech frontier, that is just sort of the new Wild West. That's the new frontier. There are limitless possibilities of, of how people can actually evolve what they do in, in terms of their mobile advertising approach based on that expansion of into an interconnected environment rather than just focusing purely on, on the smartphone screen, which is, I think, a lot of uh, mobile advertisers' mindsets right now. That's yes. what's exciting me for the, for the future. Thank you, Peter. What about you, Dr. Gonzalo? So to be honest, there are many exciting things about the future. Um, one of them being the creation of the smart spaces, um, where the devices are meant to predict and anticipate the human needs and no longer trigger their actions based on human interaction. For example, we recently showed a smart living, smart living room powered by Huawei, where the TV detected there was a human hitting in front of it. Um, and the human wanted to watch a movie. So the TV already pre-selected the ideal content for the human. Automatically, the window blinds dimmed the light in the room. The LED lights turned to lower intensity. And at the end of the movie, a cleaning robot passed through the sitting area to remove the popcorn on the floor. All that without the human giving any order to any of this magic. So this transition from now where humans have to activate all of these uh, devices to the moment where the devices will make better choices for us automatically, will uh, democratize, if we can call it like that, um, the use of technology, of advanced technology, so that everyone, no matter how tech-savvy they are, would have access to these experiences. But to be honest, personally, the area that excites me the most and scares me in parallel is the development of AIs. We see cases, for example, in which AIs have won uh, art competitions competing against real humans. So it's not, just, it's not just a fact of AIs being faster, which they are. Um, they can generate original high-quality paintings in seconds. It's the fact that they are becoming better. So what will happen when we apply such AIs of speed and quality to research the next mathematical or astrophysics scientific development? How far will the human civilization knowledge evolve from that point? And what are the consequences? That is what excites us, or at least me. And uh, in the meantime, we try to bridge the reality from where we are now into that seamless, connected future of advanced technology um, at a service of a better society. That is the vision of Huawei, actually. Right. So in terms of um, making our living room smart, we were promised in sci-fi years ago that that reality should come. It's time to actually experience this life in, in the real life, not in the movie, when your home can be your um, helper, somebody who uh, actually can pick up small cues, what you actually need, and you're you know, getting tired from work 
getting back to home, your home is waiting for you to deliver that experience. That's a great observation. And uh, yeah, I, I would totally agree with you, Dr. Gonzalo, about AI, because on one hand, we our civilization are dealing with so great volume of information to kind of orchestrate our lives on a daily basis. And it's impossible for any human being to process that information unless you're using very sophisticated AI. And on the other hand, yeah, it's a bit of a scary thing to imagine the point where that, that border between the human mind and machine will blur it totally. Like, you know, passing the Alan Turing test will be easy. And um, for, well, for all purposes, uh, that will be perceived as the human mind. You're waiting for this moment, but that's, that's a bit scary, I would agree. Okay. Very final question to you both. Uh, how can people get in touch with you and get more information about what you do? So I would say that this depends on how shy every person is. Um, for the highest extent, uh, you can get any information and any support needed from our uh, websites of uh, consumer.huawei.com or developer.huawei.com, depending on the nature of the topic to discuss. But for brave souls, we also appreciate the classic style of dropping a line professional networks such as LinkedIn um, and we take it from there they will find that we are quite friendly people okay great Dr. Gonzalo Peter thank you so much for coming on our podcast and spending time with us thank you thank you thank bye you bye. and bye-bye Edward Dr. Gonzalo VP Consumer Mobile Services Europe and Peter Galton head of WEU Ecosystem Marketing to listen to more episodes, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. Just search for Business of Apps and you will find us easily. Remember, we release episodes on Mondays, so subscribe and you will be able to get new episodes on your smartphone, tablet, or computer as soon as we release them. And please don't forget to leave us a review or comment on iTunes. It is highly appreciated. And all episodes may also be available on businessofapps.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Business of Apps podcast. For more, head on over to businessofapps.com.